What's up, LA? Casey Diaz over here, host of the Shot Collar Podcast. Hey, um, got a good guest with us today, Peter Meyerhoff, straight from AZ, Arizona. So any Arizona folks out there, uh, hey, we're going to call a shot right here. You better be listening. That's all I got to say. Hey, uh, it's going to be a good interview. It's, uh, let's talk about it. What's up, man? Hey, what's going on, brother? Good, good, good to um, good to have you here. Absolutely, it's my pleasure. You know, uh, um, ran into you, and uh, you know what's funny is I'm running into a lot of cats that on social media, yep. and and uh, for a minute there, I thought you know, because we get interviews from all over the place, but it seems like social media is now like that's the place. That's where it all stems from. It all stems from there, and and so you know, we met online. Um, I I checked out your uh, your profile in Holland Yards and. Uh, and I thought this would be a good interview, man. Uh, and so here we are. Welcome to uh, the Shock Out Podcast. Um, so I want to know, um, you know, you're from Arizona. You're born and raised there. Yeah. So what is what is what is young Peter into in in the younger years? Yeah. So young Peter was uh, it was all about sports. Me growing up, you know, didn't uh, wasn't even into video games too much. I was always in the streets, just playing sports. Thought I was gonna walk me into the leagues or something. Um, I actually thought I'd have my pick at what sport I want to go pro at. That's all I did was played sports until, uh, I want to say, around junior year um, in high school is when I started messing with painkillers, and that turned into meth and just every. I mean, my life spiraled downhill so fast. Um, and then before you know it, I uh, kicked out of school, and uh, what should have been spring break my senior high school, you know, I'm doing robberies and stuff and stealing cars and we end up burglarizing a house and um and i'm getting that's what sent me to prison man i got 12 years of prison from a kid that was the last person out of all my friends to even smoke weed you know i think i was 15 i still hadn't even smoked weed yet and then uh yeah that's kind of late for for a teen yeah i was the latest out of all my friends all my friends are already smoking weed and drinking i didn't you know i was i just uh it was all about sports for me you know and then yeah. um Enough friends or peer pressure, whatever it got to be, you know, and then finally started messing with it. And I'm an, I have an addictive mind, an addictive personality. And then once I started messing with it, it was a, it was a wrap, you know. Now, so did you grow up with like? It seems like you were in sports. So both parents at home. Yeah, my parents. Were, both parents were home. My parents got divorced when I was like, like ten years old or something. But both were still involved in my life, you know. They lived. Okay. They had houses a mile from each other. So um, no, yeah, had a really good um, upbringing. No problems there at all. So like you know, and that's the, the the weird part for sometimes when I run across dudes like you, where you know there, there was a healthy upbringing, yeah. uh, you know, and you know the parents are involved, and you know statistically you, you should come out on the straight narrow and you know yeah. never see the lights of I uh, of a cell. I had everything in my life in front of me not to ever see a cell. Yeah, and and then when 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 I run into you dudes, um, it's like. How does how does that happen? Like yeah. you know, and I think it has a lot to do with influence that's out there. You know, it, it doesn't matter whether um, it, you're in a good neighborhood, growing up in a suburb. Influence has a lot to do with how we end up in adulthood. And at 18, you, I mean, they they throw a book at you, dude. Like through a couple, a couple of books, yeah, big ones too. <laughs> Man, I mean, were you you're in your trial? Did you go to trial or did no, you, I took you, a, just, you just took, so I a took a plea? I took a plea and I was supposed to get four and a half to 9.25 years. 
Um, they said the mitigated was six and a half years, but what the crazy thing is, so it was a it was a burglary charge, and they had end up. I wore gloves during the whole thing. There was ten kids involved total, right? I was the only one that I, there was no fingerprints anywhere. I I seriously felt like I could have beat the whole thing, um, but my little brother and all of them were kind of involved, and so I kind of just like took the rap and um, thought I thought it would be okay, and then so they ended up. Um, charging my mom, my dad, and my grandma with my crime, too, for knowingly possessing stolen property. Like, they charged them all with felonies. Um, so Wait, I was, what? Yeah. So I was in the county jail for almost two years fighting a burglary case, which is unheard of. Yeah, I mean, there's murder cases that only take Yeah, I was in the county months. jail 20 months. Um, from 18, so I, I didn't go to prison until I was 20 years old. So then they charged my mom, my dad, and my grandma. That's the only reason I even signed this plea. And I was... But she said she wouldn't offer me a different plea, but as long as I signed the plea that she would be okay recommending the minimum, which was four, four and a half to 6.25 or something. So I'm like, okay, drop the charges against my family and I'll sign the plea. So she said she's going to drop the charge against my family. I signed the plea. She said she's going to recommend the minimum. I go into my sentencing and... Um, I was honestly just happy to get to get on with it. And I, I swear I was going to get four years. I remember the last thing I said to my lawyer at my, at my last little meeting with him was, I can't do the six and a half years. You know, you got to give me this four years. I can't do six and a half years. And he's like, you're not going to get the six years. And um, my sentencing day, and we're, we're all shackled up, you know, up there in the jury box. And my lawyer won't even come near me. And I just had a bad feeling from the start, you know. Wow. He won't even come near me. And I finally have to, like, wave my hands at him, like, come say something to me like i'm freaking out i'm 20 yeah. years old yeah you kid. yeah and then all he does is hands me this big big pre-sentence report and it says i don't know he like points to me how she's asking for 13 years and i'm like nothing makes sense to me he's like don't worry about it we all go and i remember the judge said i find it mitigated for the fact that um you're 18 years and you committed this crime and also the fact that you're on drugs the drugs was ruined my entire life but he goes, I also find it mitigated for, or aggravated for the amount of jewelry that was stolen, which I didn't even take the jewelry. Um, and he goes, I think this calls for an aggravated sentence of 12 years. And I got sentenced to 12 years. Just like that. And um, I, I was just in shock, you know. Like, I didn't think I was going to get six years and or I'd be able to handle it. And then he doubled that. You know, I didn't know how I was going to handle four years. You know, I'm like from Awatuki, Arizona, you know, like mm-hmm. – they made fun of me when I came to prison that I had long blonde hair from Awatuki. You know, they, the nickname for it's called All White Tuki in there. You know, it's a <laughs> little suburb area, you know, and I had to yeah. fight for that a lot of times too, you know, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Once you're in there, I mean, it's it's a. Different world. Yeah, it's just a, it's a shark tank. And you got to do whatever you got to do to survive. So I didn't know that part of, of about your parents yeah. getting charged as well. I mean, that, that's got to throw you for a loop. The worst part about it was, too, is so after they did all that and they dropped the charges against them, when I went to prison, six months into my prison sentence, then they bring up all the charges against my mom, my dad, and my grandma again. Nothing was in writing. It was a settlement conference. So they... They so literally had to go to felony trial. Wow. Yeah. For my case, for one of the stupid thing I did as a kid, you know? Oh, man. I, I mean, that, that's got to be... Uh, yeah. Especially when you know that your parents, I mean, they, they're... Or you got me with twelve years for a theft charge. Yeah, That's like, not enough. Yeah, yeah, like you know, let's let's roll. Let me get it over with. And I've never in the state of Arizona ever seen or heard of anybody doing as much time as I did for for a burglary. Charge. Yeah. Wow, man. Back door was open. It wasn't a home invasion. Wow. So no, there's nobody tied up. There's no, no guns. No. There's there no. wasn't even a window broken. The <laughs> back door was open. Was open. You just yeah. walked in. I mean, we grew obviously, up the kid. The- we used to we used to grow up the kids and hang out with them. Then we didn't like them, so it was just like I said. Some dumb stuff we all did during spring yeah. break. So okay, so you get sentenced, and I want to touch 
based on, on uh, so what happens to your your parents because they get bad you know they get dragged into court. yeah so my mom got found um obviously not guilty but had to go to felony trial um my dad had to go to felony trial and got found not guilty and ended up finding him guilty of some class c misdemeanor like knowingly possessing stolen property or something stupid like that and what's the conversation with so with um, you and them after that oh it's it's embarrassing you know like yeah. and i'm like i still to this day i can't like yeah i mean i still my dad uh is someone involved with with uh the legal system too you know so it like it affects his business in some oh, states man. to this day you know um but all I can do is try to repay and just, you know, be a better person because of it all, you know, because yeah, I can't yeah. change any of that yeah. stuff that happened. Yeah, it, once it's, that's it. You, know, you, you just got to go beyond that and, and do something productive. So so here you are, you're 20 years old, and you're going to state prison. Six foot, 144 pounds with long blonde hair from Ahwatukee, and I'm hitting. So, so you don't look like this no, when you walk in I'm there. Not this, no, this is not me, yes. <laughs> I was half this size. <laughs> what was your first thought when you walk into a yard? Um, uh, I remember and my, these was, dudes are yoked yeah, up. <laughs> twice my like everybody looks like Everybody's twice my shape, size. Man. Yeah, and I'm like, and I was always used to being like the popular kid, cool kid in school, you know. And I'm like, I remember that was the first time I walked that yard, and I felt like a nobody in my life. I yeah. felt like the first time people could just look at me and not even see that I was there. And I'm like, what is this? And that was, I mean, uh, it's, it's so crazy to to try to like put it put it to a T like the hardest things at first or something good because people that haven't been there, they don't realize like the, the hard stuff about the prison time isn't what other people would think it is. You know, it's the little yeah. stuff, you know, like that. Yeah. I was like, oh, schooling. Go, yeah, seriously. And having to change your whole mindset. And then I remember when I was, you know, a kid, all I wanted to do was horseplay and stupid stuff like that. And I couldn't, you know, and I yeah. wanted to sleep in. And I couldn't, you have to mandatory yep. wake up. And I'm like, dude, it felt like I was in a boot camp prison, like <laughs> a bad dream that just wouldn't, that I couldn't wake up from, you know? And and, that, and I, and the other th- factor of it is that you, you never went to juvenile halls or anything like that. Never. So you, this is your first go at it. Yes. Absolute first go at it. So that, that's like waking up to a nightmare, like from a nightmare. Yeah. I mean, when I was a juvenile, I'd always gotten in trouble as a juvenile, but like I, my mom could come pick me up and that was, yeah. it. you know, like literally I would beat people up, whatever assault case, whatever <laughs> the stupid thing would be. Every time they would come, just call my mom and she'd come pick me up. Yeah, and you go home and yeah. that's it. It doesn't work you, like that when you're 18. <laughs> no, <laughs> you're an adult at that yeah, time. And uh, yeah, so you hit the yard and and uh, you got to wake up. Like this, like there's there's rules. Yes. Prison politics. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what prison did, did you? Uh, so I hit, it was actually a three yard because I, sh- I obviously it was a non dangerous crime, but just with my amount of time, you have I think Arizona is the same as California, where a three yard you can have lifers and that's as low as they'll go. So I hit a three yard um, in the Tucson unit um, called Manzanita, and uh, yeah, it's like a little dorm living, and you know they give me the whole spiel like, uh, what do you want to do? You know, I remember when I first got to the yard, they they didn't even believe me that I was in, doing twelve years for a theft charge, and I'm like. Why, like why would I lie about that? I'm so yeah. new to prison. I'm like I don't I don't even understand what you guys are saying, you know. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, well, we're gonna need your paper to get through. I'm like, okay, like why would I lie about what I'm here for, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was just like I said, you're just clueless about everything. You have no idea, and like your entire life's gonna change, and how you breathe, and every minute of every day is completely different from how I was living my life, you know. And you have to like instantly grow up, or there's no or. Yeah, there, you know there, there is no or. Yeah, there is no or. You, you gotta. Uh... Figure it out. Yeah. So, on the but, spot. Yeah. And they have the talk with me, you know, they give me like the whole rundown. I can clearly tell I am clueless about anything, you know. Yeah. And, and uh, I would look at kids like that 
when you know when I was the OG before I was getting out there, I'm like, dude, this, you know, you you just take start taking bets on me, like, there's no chance this kid makes it, you know, yeah. there's no chance this kid, you know, and I was for sure that kid. I guarantee you everybody in the world would have bet against me too, you know. Now, now uh, in California and in the CDC, um, uh, it's it's very segregated. Mm-hmm. Like th- that's just how it is for sure. You you got the Southerners, um, you know, you got the Northerners, you got the blacks on one side, you got the ABs or Yep. Whoever it is, you know, uh, on that side, is it same thing? Same thing. Same thing in Arizona. Yeah, you never okay. sell with anybody other than your other race. Yeah, yeah. You don't. Um, I mean, you know, us white boys, and Mexicans, we get along, we back yeah, yeah. each other up, but it's still like you don't, you don't smoke with them, eat with them. Yeah. A minimum, minimum yards you can do. I've never been to a minimum yard, yeah. but I, I just know from what they say. But yeah, four yards and all the place where I did time at is very, very, very segregated. I mean, that's just how it is. Extremely. Yep. Yeah. You can have black friends and stuff, but or black friends, Mexican friends, but it's other than that. It is what it is. You can talk to them on the yard, but that's it. Other than that, it's you stick to your own. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In California, we didn't. We weren't even allowed to to talk. Yeah, for it, sure. It I've was heard just, about that. It was like there was no interaction with mm-hmm. with blacks at all. I mean, that's just that's how it is. Um, I don't know how it is now. I've been out for quite a bit. Yeah, but I know that you know in anything in any game, uh, prison politics, uh, any organization, and um, it, it gets watered down as it goes. So I don't know about prison politics now, but when I was in there, it was very You're very right. Strict. Now they're trying to do like intersegregation stuff where like I heard like wow. in Arizona, like <clears throat> half the foreheads are locked down for people that won't segregate with other races. And so, yeah, this all changed in the last five years since I've been out because I've been wow. out five years now. Yeah. And so, so you're in there. Um, any riots kick off? Any? Oh, tons. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. What was your What was your first uh, initial response to like? Dang, so, the, the jump, it's, it's it's jumping now. So I, I learned a little bit in jail because, I, you know, I used to box when I was a kid, and I was always, like, the tough dude. So, yeah, like, yeah. I learned um, the one thing about I was able to pick up on pretty quick was if you if your people are tough, they'll respect you. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. like, I, I learned, uh, and that's what I just did in prison. You know, I had heard, like, about heart checks and all the, you know, you hear all the prison's horror stories and stuff. And I don't, I didn't like just sitting out waiting. So I, I, of course, picked a fight with somebody right when I was in there, you know, and. Um, just to show everybody that I wasn't like, and then come to find out afterwards, they thought I was like a gay dude because I had like long blonde hair and I was a oh, little pretty no. boy, you know. And I'm like, oh my god, no! Why didn't you guys just ask me, you know? Like we didn't know you could fight like that. I'm like, why, why would you think anything different, you know? But that's just how naive I was to the prison yeah, yeah. life, you know. I, mean, I I was just a little kid coming through there from from a from a suburb, two completely different worlds, you know, yeah, yeah, two yeah. completely different worlds. Yeah, it, you know, it, it's funny that you shared that because it, it was the same thing that. You know, and I had been through juvenile halls and uh, probation camps, uh, California Youth Authority, all that stuff uh, prior to getting to uh, to New Folsom. But it, 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 you have this this it's almost like a survival instinct that's built in you for real uh, when you want enter into these yards, and right off the bat you're going nah. It ain't gonna be me. Yeah, for real. That's, and you have to, <laughs> and you have to, and you have to. I would have to have talks myself. You know, like when I'm going to <laughs> you when I'm psych yourself bus, up. To, yeah, for real. You know, like no matter what happens, you got this. You can do this. Or, yeah, you yeah. know, like I'd be like, you think you're a badass. This is where you prove it. Like <laughs> seriously, I would have to have a little pep talk to myself all the time. Yeah, almost yeah. until I got out. You know, yeah, like yeah. people ask me all the time how I got through like those single cell times and maximum security, and it's like literally talking to myself every day. Yeah, 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 yeah. You gotta, you gotta do what you, you gotta absolutely do. Absolutely have to. You can't talk to no one else. Your brain has to be prepared when, when you're in that one-man cell. Absolutely. Or else, uh, you know, uh, one of the things, and I'm sure that you also uh, encountered was, you know, dudes getting going crazy, mm-hmm. talking to themselves, and then 
answering and themselves. And then answer that, because that's what I would say. Because they'd be like, you talking to yourself, like, you can talk to yourself, you just can't answer it. Can't answer it. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Because yeah. then you, you, you're you in another level I after that. I would always joke, I'm like, ain't no one else to talk to over here. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, but but you got to do whatever you, yeah. you keeps you strong. Yeah, and those stints are so bad. I always, I always joke about it, because it's so bad. I remember just I remember just being in there, and I'd always work out and just, like, just talk to myself when I'm working out and just, like, envision stuff. And then I'd be like, I'm like, I'm going to make these cops pay for putting me in here. When I hit the yard, I'm doing this or I'm doing that. And then the second they let you out and you finally hit the yard, you're like, all right, I'm cool. I want to just chill now. You know what I mean? So it just changes because you're so happy to be out of the cell. Yeah. 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 So so, so you're, you're in there. And, and I mean, at some point, you, you, you know, people are getting to know you. Mm-hmm. They're noticing you. Um, I'm sure whatever car, we used, we used to call them cars mm-hmm. inside uh, uh, in the California prison system. Um Someone in, in your car is starting to to pay attention to you because at some point you end up getting elected as a shot caller yourself. Mm-hmm. How does that happen? So, yeah, like one of the I, – I, I always talk about this, but my first um, – when they had the first talk to me, asked me what I want to do, you know, and I'm like, I just – I pretty much said, like, I just want to not be a lame. I'll do whatever, you know, like – and um, they so I raised my hand, and the first one I had to – do, and I've shared about this story before, is I had to beat up one of the dudes. I was like, not my prison pops, but he's one of the OGs in there that schooled me, you know, and he's the first dude I had to put working on and get. And and when they told me about it, I had to wait because the dude that was running the yard, um, he'd been down like 30 years or something. It was waiting to go to minimum. So they wanted to obviously wait till he went to minimum and then have it done, you know. So I'm 20 years old, knowing I'm going to get this dude for my first time ever in prison too. And I have to live with him too for another week or so until my the dude running the yard gets rolled up, you know. And so I remember how it happened very like it happened yesterday, you know, I went to visit that day and I come back from visit. And before I'd even came back to my building, walking on the yard, there said we had a cool cop in there and BK had left. I'm like, oh, all right, it's going down then. And I, me, I want to get it done because I was sick of thinking about it. I lost sleep over this, but you can't yeah, say yeah. no after yeah, that. You can't you know? say no. Yeah, it yeah. is what it is. It's, it's 100% going down. Yeah, yeah. And that's another thing where I'd said you just have to talk yourself through it, you know, yeah. and I have to do that every night, you know. Um, so he was there, and he was actually drawing a card. It sounds heartless when you think about it now, but it's just how prison was, you know. Um, he was actually drawing a card for, I don't remember if it was for my mom or something, but he was a really good artist. So when I literally came up from behind him, he was drawing a card with his headphones on for someone in my family, and I did my thing, came up from behind him. And um, and then I remember we were locked down that day, and that's what's so addicting when you're such a young kid in there. So I went from, remember I told you I'm like a absolutely nobody I feel like I'm invincible for the first time in my life and it's that's honestly one of the hardest things for me to get over at that young age you know yeah and um from then so we got locked down for a day and then when I'm coming out to chow the next day then it's like yo youngster I heard what you did yo youngster blah 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 and then all these OGs are coming up and introducing themselves to me now when they didn't even know who I was the day before and I'm like oh so I took that and ran with it you know so I'm like Anybody that needs to get beat up, I want to do it. And I and I pretty much did, you know. And so then before you know it, that's when people start noticing you. Because that's all you have to do is talk in there, you know. Yeah. And I was a little, so I was a little pretty, but I was a little badass dude in there, you know. And uh, raised my hand every single time. Um, and then I remember the first yard I ran when I was 23. Um, it was a four yard. And I still didn't even really know completely. But I they had just rolled up a couple of dudes that were running the yard. And I remember thinking like, I should have this yard now, you know, there's no one really on this yard that I'm going to take an order from. And, uh, but I didn't even know how that whole procedure went. And I yeah. kind of went and told everybody, I'm like, yo, I'm taking this yard. 
um, here's what it is. And obviously you just have to take care of who you take care of, you know, but, yeah. uh, so it's all just with the fighting stuff. And before, you know, you, you just build a name for yourself in there and after years and just beating people up. And that's all I like doing in there was fighting or just whatever, you know? And, and the thing about, you know, once you become one, once you have that leadership, that authority on a yard like this, it, you know, we see these prison movies, um, uh, and they put so much sauce on the taco, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and they make it look like it's a lucrative thing. And it really isn't because when you really think about it, there's always going to be somebody that's going to want that, what you have. Absolutely. And they're willing to do the same thing that you did to get it. Mm-hmm. And so it's never, it's not like a, a lucrative position to really have For i real. mean you're 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 walking in that yard and you just don't know the intentions of the next dude and, and it could be someone's got more time than you and exactly or they have a life sentence and they have nothing to lose nothing at all to lose um and you could be drawing a card yeah you're right for the same dude that's about to you know we used to call them you know books mm-hmm. you know uh and and there you go so so you're 23 years old. You 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 take a handle of of this this war yard, and that that's got to do something to you as an individual as well. Because now you're the you're the big dog on yeah. on the yard. 23 years. It doesn't even matter how old you are. Yeah. It's the amount of violence and it's the uh, the, the brutality that you put on in these yards. That, and the fact that no one wanted to say no to me. Yeah. And and we. It's almost like we parade around that. For for real, you know, because you you see dudes that that are in there for some pretty vicious crimes out there, absolutely, and they know what you're in there for because everybody knows what's every everybody's in there for. Yeah. You, you know, we want to see paperwork. Mm-hmm. We want to make sure that we don't have any uh, you know, sexual predators in here, no child molesters on these yards, absolutely. So everybody knows who's what crime they came in there for. Yet you're the one that's running that yard. And there's always that that mentality of I'm young, and I have something to prove in here because that was exactly what it was, right? I mean that's that's how it is. So these movies really don't do justice because they it, it's almost like a, a a fake picture of what a shot collar really is. It, it's not something comfortable mm-hmm. because that position could be lost by one stupid mistake and it's the worst it's the most stressful thing in the world it, but i love the tension i was yeah. young and i was felt like and i was like if i'm gonna make if i have to be in prison this long i'm gonna make my life you know what i mean <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly and it got me all the attention that i was starving for for those years you know yeah, yeah, and then yeah. yeah and then once you got that it's that's even more addicting than anything you know so you're in there and um at some point at some point how do you reach out to your family and because this this is all it became a family affair. I mean, that's yeah. My family, they always stay in touch. I had to, I like I said, that's what we always I talked about a little bit earlier was getting out and being successful as a family. So I had a great family. They always were able to visit, unless I had like no visits for getting in trouble or yeah. dirty ways or whatever it could be. But they always visit. We always uh, you talk on the phone and stuff. Unless you're in Max and you only get a ten minute phone call a week, but you still get behind yeah. the glass visits and stuff. Yeah. So I was super blessed to have a good, good family with the whole thing. That's good. That's good stuff, man. Tell me about. Towards the end of your sentence, because this is important, you know, we're, we're about to shoot. Uh, well, we're not about to shoot. We're shooting um, the, these episodes on. Uh, they're about fifteen to twenty minute episodes on how to help those these dudes that are about to exit, you know, and and they're making parole. 
your your mind is it, it, there's stress on that as well mm-hmm. because you know I've been in here for so long. In your yeah. case, uh, how much total time did you? Twelve do? years. I served eleven years and seven months exactly. It's a long time. Yeah. So and, like I said, the burglary happened spring break, my what should have been my senior year of high school, and I got out a month after I turned thirty years old. So you're eighteen and a month before you turned thirty years old. After I turned thirty. After you, you didn't have a second of my twenties free. Wow, man. For burglary charge. So tell me about that last week. The last my last two days I didn't sleep at all. I wasn't I was in the hole too. So I told you I went to the hole and I got out pretty much high as my prison score as high as it could go again too. Just waiting to go back to maximum security again. Um, and man, like you just counting every minute of every second down. And I, I couldn't even, I didn't sleep the last two days in there and it's just stressful. And you know, that's, and that's what I've talked about now is the, all the things that I worried about before I got out or all the things that I thought I was gonna have to overcome or all the obstacles I thought I was gonna have to overcome weren't even what was in my way, you know? And that's why when we took, we just talked about it briefly, but I talked about doing the stuff to try to help people from making it when they get out of prison you know because when the people are in there in prison like I was myself I'm so focused on worrying about stuff that's completely out of my control and if I was putting that time or at least giving it some extra thought into what was actually going to be ahead of me that I had to overcome it would make it so much easier you know yeah um because especially when you're in there you have nothing but time to prepare so if you why not make something and give them actually something that they have time to prepare for rather than just figuring out when they get out you know because that's when you get the so that's when people make these bad rash decisions and then they're in jail and they're like what the you know i mean i I always think of how many people got out and just tried to do it didn't know what they had up against them and then just got it's one time or just made one stupid move and they're sitting back in their prison cell you know yeah probably with deja vu i I still can't get over the fact that you got that much time for that type of crime i didn't get over it until i got out i I wouldn't know either yeah I'm I'm so happy now and I don't care and I and I feel like no joke my my life is to a T where it's supposed to be and I, everything yeah. just went just just the course of how it has been to to this podcast right now you know and, and and the thing is like a lot of these cats they they go in there and you know having family or someone that cares on the outside uh, or is willing to give you a second chance it's very rare in in uh, in the lives of many uh, inmates that are you know coming out. You know, do they do they give you money? Does the state give you uh, gate money? Fifty bucks. Fifty bucks. Yeah. 50 Dang, bucks I thought we had pass. a bad. Yeah. We, we used to get two hundred bucks. No, fifty bucks and a bus pass. And like, good luck. Dang, Arizona ain't playing, good man. Luck. Yeah, and like <laughs> I said, I had no license, so it takes months to get all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just talked about it briefly, but luckily, I had my brother who was able to show for me around, or like my family. Like, I have. A very good family, and luckily I had that. If I didn't, who knows how I would have been yeah, able to yeah. succeed, you know, which is why I'm so passionate about trying to help out other people when they get out of prison, you know, because, man, I, I used to sit in prison sometimes just like we talked about. You said I had, with my upbringing, there was no reason I should have ever touched a prison cell, you know, yeah, yeah. and uh, there were so many kids in there, not kids, but just people I talked to in prison that when you hear their stories, like, you, all I thought of was that there's no way they don't end up in prison unless they yeah. die you know yeah like they had no chance of having a successful life on how they grew up so i felt so bad for them so like why can i not give back a little bit you know to try and help yeah. people if, if they even if they had f-ed up brings you know we could teach them how to be successful out here you know because life is great once you once you figure it out you know what yeah. i mean dude yeah. my life's a fantasy right now i can't even believe this <laughs> seriously to this day you know i it's still have stuff, things man. all the time where i cry driving in my car you yeah. know because i yeah. can't believe like 
you're out. And I never, ever, ever, ever thought I had a chance to have this life, you know, and I do, you know, but like I said, you just got to keep fighting and catch a break one time. That's it. Because all all it takes is one break. One break. That's it, man. And and (laughs) so I always talk about, you know, dudes on like death row, right? Uh, They they always have that famous last meal. Mm -hmm. Uh, For us that get out, we have the famous first meal. Yeah. What was your first meal when you first got out? You don't like, even believe, bro. I couldn't even eat for the first two days either, too. Are you serious? Yeah, I was. <laughs> I had, and then the first thing, I, the first time I ate was at a golf course, and I just tried to eat like some breakfast beer or something because I'm, I'm serious. Like I was screwed up. The first yeah. cop I saw when I got out, I had a absolute panic attack in my driveway. Just like, dude, I was a, I was screwed up in the head. Like, yeah, yeah, I had to do some major, major overcoming and stuff. But yeah, I had no even appetite for a few days, which was what was crazy. Like I f- just felt like my stomach was so upset and I just had the worst anxiety ever because I was coming out of a cell, you know, 12 years yeah, straight yeah, in a yeah. cell, like pale white teeth yeah, were yeah. yellow. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no sun. There's no. No nothing. Yeah. No nothing. You look like a completely different human being. So it was a, a breakfast burrito that you had. That was your yeah, two days later. Yeah, golf course. Yeah. <laughs> That's good stuff, man. Yeah. I had a bucket of ice cream. That's that's did just, you? If uh, yeah, uh, I had a bucket of ice cream, and I ate it. I ate it so fast, man, <laughs> that I went past the the brain freeze. <laughs> didn't even didn't even waver at that. It just you know, and and we used to eat. I don't know how it was over there, but in the chow house, you're you're. Oh my god! You're doing this right? I'll ask her. They, my family still <laughs> drives me nuts how I'm eating. I think last night, what was it? Yesterday I was eating breakfast. Oh, I got slapped yesterday. Not yeah. slapped, but she like hit me because I'm like just shoving the rest of my food in my mouth at yeah. breakfast. I'm like, I just I'm, I don't know. If I forget that's how I'm used to it. My mom yeah, used to yeah. always tell me in prison. She goes, you know, you can't eat like that when you get out on the streets, right? But, yeah, but but that's how it is, man. I mean, you your your face is right by that tray, <laughs> and you're just booming. You know that that bell's gonna ring, and it usually don't taste too good. So you want to get it over. Yeah, you just want to get over it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean. Did you guys have a SOS over there? What's that? Oh, so then you didn't have it because you would have known, right? Really? Uh, SOS was uh, it's a bad word, but S <laughs> on a on, on a shingle, and it's uh, it's it's like a gravy uh-huh. that goes on a jacked up muffin that they give you in there. Oh no! And, and but but that New Folsom man had the best SOS. It, it, oh you really? Know, I'm pretty sure that the uh, average citizen. They look at a plate of SOS and they're like, "Nah, I'm good." Yeah, <laughs> but for yeah, us, it was it. like, "Oh, dude, it was it was it was awesome." But so you you have your your first meal. You gotta worry about getting a job or being in school as part of a parole. I'm assuming in Absolutely. Arizona. Yeah. What's your first job out here? I worked for my buddy doing like audiovisual stuff, and I sat out for like over a year because. I mean, when you get out after that, especially when you're covered head to toe in prison tattoos with no work history ever. You know, I'm 30 years old and. And I no work history. I can't even fill an application because I don't even have a previous job. Yeah. You know? And, and what about the application? Does, at the end of that a, uh, application, there's that. Have you been convicted of a felony? Yeah. yeah. And luckily, well, you know, it was funny when I finally got someone to take a chance on me selling cars. I had been in prison so long, I technically could have answered the thing correct because it says, have you been convicted of a felony in the last 10 years? And I'm like, I it's been, tw- been, it's been yeah, 12 years. I'd served 12 years straight. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it's and it's. A lot of people can just you got you got to use the connections you have. You yeah, know what I'm yeah. saying everybody. I always share that everybody knows somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody. You know, yeah. and that's what it's about. You know, because especially when you get out off, after all the prison time, you're not really going to get a job solely based on your application, anyways. If you have no yeah. previous work history, yeah, you, know, you, you got to know somebody. And, and and there's nothing. You know, I I work with a lot of dudes that they get out and they have this mentality, and and a lot of them that uh, I think there's a big difference with between dudes that have done hard time. In big yards, you're absolutely right. Then those dudes that have 
on a lower yards. Two yard life. Yeah, and, and their mentality is just very different. Because it's a vacation for it's, them. It, it is. It, it, it it's it's a camp. Yeah, it yeah. is because you and I always share that. That's why. And you know what's crazy, and I and I'm I, that's why I always say like I'm I'm so grateful for my life, and I'm and I honestly feel like I'm grateful that I got twelve years instead of getting the four and a half years that I thought yeah. because I felt like I would have been one of those little young punks that got four years in prison, went to some minimum camp, had some in city job, didn't do no damn suffering, yeah. was getting high the whole time, and they make it right back out and they do the same thing because prison yeah. didn't even suck; it was a break from the streets, you know? exactly, yeah, break from living with their mom or whatever they do, and that's, <laughs> and that's seriously what it is. So yeah. like, but until you have, and God, it's funny you say that because I'm always I always am so emphatic about that there is a completely night and day different world it's a discipline from people that do time on two yards and people that did time like me and you and yeah. when you're straight slammed down especially dude you could sometimes walk in a shower it would just i would i would almost laugh because it would just be so much drama tension on the yard you don't know yeah. what's going on yeah. and yeah you're straight walking with anxiety <laughs> like you know you know it's it's a different world like it's your a heart's different world walking to breakfast yeah. you know like and until you have experience that you can't even put it into words or try and explain it to anybody and it, my first meal was served by the the hillside strangler i don't okay if you're familiar with that yeah. story but uh that was the dude that gave me my first plate in wow. there and this dude's you know he's never getting out yep but you you have that in your head going there's dudes in here that never ever getting out. Yeah, they have nothing to lose, man. They could kill you, and they think of a human life like it's a fly. Yeah, it's Seriously. it's no big deal. Yeah, and you have to have that same mentality. You have to, just like the the next dude next to you, and you know, nobody is trustworthy in there. Yep, uh, I don't care if you've been sellies for the past three years, which that's very rare. Mm-hmm. You know, because you you you'll end up getting tired of the homeboy, and yeah, you know, whatever. Right? It, it, it's it's definitely a different mentality. I see that. Dudes that come out of long, long sentences, when they come out here and they've been to these big yards, uh, these maximum maximum security yards, they actually come out headstrong and they become very productive. And the likelihood of them returning is almost slim to none, man. Because mm-hmm. every dude that I that I know that I ran in there with never returned. I mean, these are dudes at four yards. They never returned. They came out after doing 20, 15 years, 10, and they never go back. And you see these dudes, they become business owners. They raise, you know, families. Uh, man, I I have at least 10 of those dudes that yeah. I keep in touch with, and none of them have ever reoffended. You know why? It's because they're scared of actually going back to prison because they've actually done real prison time. Yeah. You know, two yards yeah. and stuff. That's not even real prison time. It's not. It, we used to call it like wine no time. I'm scared of one thing, going back to prison. That's yeah. it. Like, yeah. it's because I've been there, you know. I've yeah. been to the real yards, and if I go back to prison, I don't go to a two yard. You know, I nope. go right back to maximum right security, back in straight there. in a single cell, you know. Yep. like um, So that's what it's from. And, uh, God, you're so right with that, dude. So, so you're out here, man. You, you. It, well, that's what I wanted to touch on. So, a lot of these dudes that that spend, you know, what we call wino time, year, two years, whatever, in these minimum security yards, they have this mentality when that when they come out that they can't see themselves flipping a burger or some minimum minimum wage job. It's like they can't. It, it, the math doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. And what I've seen with dudes that come out from doing long sentences. From level four yards, they're willing to flip the burger, to mop a floor, to do whatever it takes. Because anything was better than that cell we were in. That's right, man. You know? That's right. And, you know, the, my first two jobs, I worked two jobs back to back. 
no no car. I got goosebumps just thinking about it, yeah. No car. Um, I was on the bus and on the train to my first job at 5 in the morning. And I get there early, mm-hmm. jump on a bus again, straight to my second job. I only had about 40 minutes to get there. There was like, I'd go to a bathroom, change, and back I went mm-hmm. to my to my next job. I didn't get home until like around 12, sometimes 12.30, and back at it again in the morning. And I did that for a long time. And I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad that I had a, a real a parole agent that wasn't going to put up with my stuff. Mm-hmm. We need that. I really believe yep. that, you know. For real. There's nothing better than a parole agent that's on you. That's on you. It does something to you. You know you can't mess around. You know you can't mess around, man. And, and, and you got to take, you got to be serious about it. I got a job. I got two jobs. And I made the best out of it. You know, I got my, dude, when I bought my first car, when I bought my first car, dude, that, that was like, mm-hmm. I couldn't believe it. I had never owned something legally. Yeah. Or that, that I had worked hard for. And that was my, you know, you know what I did? I did about, I think it was like four months of just cup of noodle soups. That's all I had for lunch. Yeah. And my whole entire check, I put, put it away. Good man. For four months, Makes bro. It so much better, though, too, when you get it finally. Yeah, dude. And it wasn't like a, a brand new from a, a car from a, a new <laughs> lot. It was a banger, dude. It was, a, you know, a hoopty. Had your name on the title, though. But it was my name on my title. Yep. You know, one of the doors had to be slammed twice to close. <laughs> it's all gravy. You know, like, th- that's what it takes. Yeah. And... It was mine though. I worked for that, and those little steps. I was, I was man. I say it's about taking steps. It's it's, it's steps, bro. Like you, you don't baby be, steps at first. That's it. Yeah, you got to. So the reason why it doesn't work though is what you what you're asking is because those people that are coming off the two yards and they're working at the in city college and they have these in city jobs and they're making minimum wage and yeah. they're coming back to work and getting high. If they're going to flipping burgers, their life is worse than it was when they were in prison. They yeah. literally had a better life in prison than out there doing that because yeah. they're not. Going to amount to anything. You don't have no work ethic. And in prison, like those two yards, I would I would always say that's not even like prison, bro. It's like it's yeah. like camp, you know. It, like, it is, and it seriously is. And that's there's a reason all those people from those two yards come get out and they go right back. And they go right there, back. They're out there running amok, working at the yep. colleges or doing whatever, getting high the entire time. And I'm like, I go home tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, and 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 you know, <laughs> there's so much freedom in these lower level yards. Yeah, there's so much freedom. That they are camps, yeah. uh, you know. There's a they might have walls or a fence. I know a few of them had like a the fence is like two feet tall. Yeah, like, yeah. you could escape if you want to. If yeah. you're dumb enough to you, escape, go ahead. You could just walk out. Yeah, go ahead if you want to. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, during countdown, they'll figure it out. But yeah. you know, uh, it, 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 there is a different ethic. There's a different mentality for for dudes that have done real time. Yeah. And so, so you get your first job, and and you're 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 taking that baby step to all right. Here here we go. What's next after that? So after that, I, I, one thing that you can't teach in prison is hustle, you know. And I, and I always, and I, like I said before, I was had all that time. I was sitting in maximum security, you know. And I, I remember I would do my workouts, and I would do my workouts facing out at the bars, and and that's when I would just do my brainwashing. And I always say I used to try and brainwash myself and just talk to myself, you know, about what I was going to do. And um, I had, and luckily, man, my buddy had gave me a job working. I had no business even. It was a Doing AV stuff, audiovisual stuff, and yeah. you know, I went away with the Nokia phone with Snake. I get out, I don't even know how to work my iPhone, you know. <laughs> but I'm doing AV stuff. Luckily, just and I said it's always just about using your networking and using whatever connections you got. It was an old friend I had from high school, 
and he needed someone kind of just to do labor on other days. So I, he hired me on and um, it just taught me how to like have work ethic and have a job, you know, and show up to a job on time, you know, and yeah. luckily my dad gave me a truck. He gave me his old Silverado when I got out of prison, you know, so um, just like punctuation, because like I said, you have to take such baby steps, you know, so I had to even figure out how to have a job and show up. And then once I figured out, okay, I can actually do work and and that even just showed me that I could, okay, cool, I can do this work thing and like be a normal, productive member of society, you know, and then I'm like, I want more, you know, and I need to make more money and I want to do this and I want nice things and um, luckily had got a chance to go sell cars and um, my co-defendant, um, there was two kids involved in the entire case that didn't like try to throw the book at me and tell them it was me and um, and it was my little brother and Chad, and he was actually the finance director of a car dealership in Scottsdale. And I had always sold things and always been good at talking. I was like talking to people, you know, and everyone always told me to sell cars, you know, and I'm like, no, I don't know. I don't, there's no way they'd hire me there. You know, um, he actually gets to sit down. So I have a meeting with them and, you know, I'm did some dumb stuff. If you can look past it, I'll work my ass off, you know? And so they ended up taking a chance on me, um, selling cars. And I went from doing that to having no money, no anything, to, like, making money, like, quick and in no time, you know. And then once I figure that out, then I'm, like, just life starts getting easier, you know, because, like, your, your money stress is gone. And that's – it's such a big thing. Like, money doesn't buy happiness, but it makes it a lot easier. So yeah. you're not stressing about you know Tool. Absolutely, man. And, like, that was my biggest worry is how I was going to money out here and how yeah. I was going to be successful and how I'm going to – you know, I was – my first step, and they had to go do such baby steps with me. At first, I was living at with my brother, and then when they had to try to teach me to start paying rent, I had to pay 150 bucks a month rent to rent his room out, which was like I had to pay the direct TV bill or something. Yeah. And I remember when I had it, I wasn't even happy about it, and I was like, <laughs> right now I gotta. I, I was like stressed about paying 150 dollars a month, you know. Yeah, yeah. Then I get my own apartment, you know, and I'm like, and then, but it's just about like I said, we said taking baby steps, man, just yep. figuring yeah. out, you know. Yeah, I remember getting the, my first apartment. Uh, it was in San Pedro and. And, uh, dude, it was like maybe, I want to say, 500 square feet, which is a small room. Mm-hmm. A whole lot bigger than 8 by, eight by 10. Yeah. So uh, a 500 square foot room by yourself, dude, uh, with my chilling. own, you know, fridge. Yeah, you're chilling. One little bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> I could close the door. The, the, all those the things. The bathroom has a door? The bathroom <laughs> has a door and no, nobody's looking at me? What? Yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that dude, that, that was... Uh, and you start to appreciate for sure those things yeah. that you didn't look at prior you didn't to know about you them. didn't know about them yeah you didn't yeah. know about them yeah and, and responsibility does that to us because that's how we're born like we're born to take responsibility over ourselves like i i get into these 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 uh <laughs> i don't want to say uh arguments because they're not i i just shut it down when 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 dudes come out and they have every excuse under the sun of and they, they take on this victim mentality that the world is against them. The world owes them. Owes them yeah. and, and, and that's just plain out stupid, man. I, that I don't buy that. Yeah. Like you, you made your bed. Now you're going to sleep on it. Yeah. And stop crying about it. Do something that's going to be productive where people you, respect is earned. Absolutely. Both on the yard and out here. Mm-hmm. And, and once that clicks, there's better results for life for, for anybody. And, and like you said, you know, th- being honest with, um, with your first employer, Hey, I did some stupid stuff. I, I did it. Yeah. It wasn't somebody else's fault. I did it. 
I was a kid. Everybody does dumb. Yeah. yeah. I, I just need a break. Yeah. I need a job. And what I say, and I'll tell you this, I will hustle my ass off. That's here. it. And and you prove it. Yep. You prove it, and I think that respect that that employer gives you, man, that's that's a, such a great feeling, man. You know, uh, I, I remember my first job, man, uh, just my first paycheck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like a hundred and something bucks. I think it was like 160 bucks. Worked my tail off for that 165 bucks. But, dude, th- there was this this magical feeling that I didn't put a gun in nobody's face. I didn't tie nobody up. I earned this. Mm-hmm. And you respect every penny after that. Absolutely. You know, so... Man, uh, uh, I'm glad you you made it out, and 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 um, but I want to talk about also what you're doing now. Um, let's fast forward mm-hmm. because now you you work with teens and adults um, in re, in a rec- recovery programs. Yeah, what's that all about? You know, like I told you, drugs what ruined my life. You know, and then uh, um, I continued to use them. You know, I, I I got worse with drugs even after being in prison because I gave up on just life. You know, and I thought I used to be religious, and I thought if God was there. There's no way God would have gave me 12 years. And I just, I was just down a very deep, deep path for 12 years, you know. And I always say, like, I just started messing with drugs before I went to prison, but it just ruined my life enough. And then I was just, like, became a pro at drugs in prison because that's all that you're around every yeah. single day of every life, every day in there. Um, and then got out and was obviously drinking and partying because, you know, I'm 30 years old. I've never even been to a bar, never been to a club, never done anything. So yeah. I was drinking, doing my thing, partying with that. But my, my thing is once... Once I'm drinking, I'm I get the I say okay to anything, you know, and yeah. um, I'm very open about it. But you know, I had a don't even remember leaving the bar, and I went and got high with somebody, and I had a very bad drug overdose where I literally died, um, and somehow was brought back to life, you know. And by the time they had got me to the hospital, my heart was still only beating six beats a minute. The doctor said I was the only one to survive in that condition. In that condition, he's seen, um, and I've been sober since then, man. I just had a finally like a, that was just one of those breaking points, you know, where I could just like get out of the hospital and say man and like this too hard or you know and this was before i'd ever started even selling a car mind you this is yeah. this is when i'm i forgot to i skipped over this but you know i was because i was depressed i didn't know what i was going to do for work out here you know i'd finally made it out of prison and when you're in prison all you think is i gotta get out i gotta get out i want to do this you know and all you're thinking of is that and uh you don't think about all the obstacles you got in front of you, you know hmm. so then when i finally make it out i'm like all right i'm out now what do i do though you know like once the yeah. honeymoon phase wears off and you have to pay rent whether it's 150 dollars a month or not you know like you have yeah. to pay bills and i know that's only the start and i'm gonna have to start yeah. paying more and more money trust me i knew how fortunate i was i only had to pay 150 dollars a month rent but yeah. um and that's one of those things where like it, it could have been a give up moment for me too you know and i just yeah. probably got the f- and went and got high and ended up dying and i and uh i th- i feel like ever since that's when i feel like i had such a bigger purpose you know and i want to just share the story and just help people that to not give up, you know, and because there's so many people in this world. You know, when I was when I got sentenced to 12 years in prison, I thought there was no way in hell I was going to be able to do it, you know. Yeah. Um, when I made it through the first six years of it, I thought there's no way I was going to finish the next six years, you know. But uh, you never know how strong you are until you're put in a situation you yeah. actually, have to, ha- actually have to prove to yourself. Under pressure. And But people are too scared of that, you know, yeah. and that they're too scared to put themselves under pressure, you know. And yeah. most people that are that think they can't have just don't know because they've never put themselves in, in a situation you know yeah um you don't get better if you don't challenge yourself too you know yeah no that's true man so and uh, i love this man because uh you're you're not only helping those that you you the best instructors are those that have been in it like yep. in that lifestyle in the mud in the darkness 
those are the best teachers, man. And uh, you know, uh, I've always said this with with um, you know, whenever we saw uh, people in suits um, or very clean cut in the neighborhoods out here in LA, and they came into try to help. They had good intentions, but they came into these these neighborhoods where everyone's a drug dealer, everyone's a gang member, and you come in there so tidy, nobody wants to hear you because you haven't been there. And yeah, maybe you you've studied, you know, poverty, you've studied gang culture, but you didn't live it. So you have nothing to say to me. And that's that's what how we we take it. But when you have somebody that's been through that, like yourself, like myself, and you go and you talk to a teen or you talk to uh, and it's not just even talk. It's, you know, going the extra mile, uh-huh. dude, you know, like accountability. With, with these cats and and when they see that we authentically care for them then there there's that the, the, that's yeah that's their turning point because you don't need to to hit rock bottom uh-huh. you really don't you just got to have some kind of mentorship an accountability partner uh-huh. that's gonna talk sense into you and is gonna tell you how it is yeah it's not gonna tell you what you want to hear they're gonna tell you how it is yeah. the, the, the the realities of it but you're doing that, and I love that, dude. Um, but then you're also getting involved in entrepreneurship. You got this sober life uh, clothing line. Um, yeah. What's that, man? Yeah, so that's another thing I started with just uh, one of my best friends. That he uh, and he's actually it's crazy enough. He's doing the same same exact path as me. You know, he uh, he's been he's been to prison a few times. He's the one actually that I started doing all the drugs with back in the day, and. Uh, He'd been in prison a few times, and um, he's now sober um, almost two years or something. But we just started uh, started together, man, because we do – and you hear both of our <laughs> stories. It's just like – that's why it works so well when I'm talking to kids, man, because you can see I'm, when I'm working with a kid now or something and he's thinks he has no chance of life or thinks like he's just – and got this huge mountain ahead of him that he can't yeah. get over. And then he hears two minutes of my story, and he's just like – I'm like, what you're dealing with doesn't seem like it's that bad anymore, huh? And he's like – no, and I'm like, that's how it works, you know. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So we started that together, and then uh, we're gonna donate a proceeds from every dollar to every to helping kids in recovery, you know. And I want just the rest of my life. I know, I know that I was, and you know, it's crazy. I'm not even a super religious person anymore. Yeah. Um, but I, I believe my life was saved to do something bigger, you know. So, yeah. um, this I just want to get the message around and make people be happy with being sober, you know. Like I get pulled over all the time at the gym, you know, like. People like like point to my hat. Are you like uh, and I'm like sober? Yeah, I am. You know. Um, so yeah, just started this man. And uh, is there a website for that? Or? Yeah. The, so the website is www.thesoberlife, and that's t h e s o b r life dot com. Um, have its own Instagram page too called thesoberlife.com. Um, you can follow me on mine too, and it has all my uh, other contact information too. Uh, my Instagram is. Peter P E T E R underscore Meyerhoff M E Y E R H O F F and that has most of the stuff I'm doing on there. That's good stuff, man. I, hey, if you're out there and you're listening, whether you're in LA, uh, this the good part about this podcast is it's everywhere. It's national and international. So if you're out there and you want to support someone that is actually putting in the work, they're not just these are not just words. This dude is actually in involved in the lives of of teens and adults that are trying to straighten out their life, uh, go ahead, hit them up, look them up, and then go and support. 
get some clothing uh, 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 items from them and, and in bulk, and you know, and and, and let's let's us uh, really put our, our our dollar bills to good use. You know, listen, the government doesn't have good programs like these. When 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 individuals like 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 Peter, like some of the dudes that I interview here on this podcast, these are dudes that are hands on and, and really making a difference in our communities. Um, I, I I don't trust politicians. Uh, you know, it, it just you know, we discover so so much uh, shadiness on that side. But when it comes to um to to dudes that have been through 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 some mud, yeah, they, we need to support them. So. Make sure that you go to to his website, to his uh, to his handles, and uh, and support it. And then you got a podcast that you're working on yourself as well, uh, uh, chopping it up with Chappie. Yep. Uh, well, so yeah, talk started, about that. Yeah, I started when I first got out. I did a few episodes with the Fresh Out series, who's my partner, uh, Big Herc. I don't know if you've heard of him, but uh, so that's when I first got to doing some of the podcast stuff. Um, and he has Fresh Out series. Big Kirk, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I'm familiar with him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, he's one of the first ones I got, I got involved with out here. Okay. And then uh, I want to do one that's just like more like motivational about like life lesson stuff, you know, like yeah. overcoming that people think they can't overcome, you know. Yeah. So it's going to be like more like obviously prison involved somewhat. It's going to be under the Fresh Out series. Okay. Um, prison involved somewhat, but more I'm going to do it, put a twist on to like how I use my prison experiences to to turn it into like positives out here. That's no. good stuff, man. Hey, uh, you know, it, it, we're coming into a close on this podcast, uh, on this episode, but I want to say thank you so much for, number one, uh, making the trip out here. I know, uh, you know, that's a long drive, and then you, he shared some stuff that <laughs> sometimes it happens, man, uh, you know, on these road trips. But, um, but thank you so much, man, for your time, uh, for what you're doing with uh, uh, the lives of these teenagers that, have gone or are going through what we went through for sure, and and you're putting a stop. You're Absolutely. you're putting in the work for that, and I appreciate people like you, man. Uh, you Same know, here. That's why I drove up here. You know, uh, the, in this podcast, uh, 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 the the beginning of it, we when we put this together, I thought, you know, well, well I'm just gonna have just clean cut Christian dudes and and dudes that you know they were shot callers themselves, and then uh, you know I prayed about it and I thought I need to give people like you as well, and other people that don't necessarily have to be Christians, but they're doing something productive with their freedom. And they're, they're dude, you're somebody that people, these, these teenagers could look up to and see that there is no life in prison life. Mm-hmm. There is nothing there. And you could rise to the ranks of a shot caller and... It means nothing. It gives you zero dollars out here. It gives you zero dollars out there. There's no credibility. There's no that lifestyle sends you nowhere. Um, it, it, I, we we both found out that the hard way, unfortunately. But here we are with a second chance at life, and um, I'm proud of you, dude, man. Uh, thank you so much for for your time. Thank you so so much for bringing your. Uh, is this your wife or your girlfriend? Fiance. Fiance. Oh, the, there it is, man. Yeah. The, now you really got to support Homeboy, man, and, and, and <laughs> jump on all this clothing brand. There's going to be a wedding at some point, so, uh, hey, yep. uh, make it happen, Captain. Cool. <laughs> uh, thank you so much, uh, Peter, my guest on the Shot Caller Podcast. Hey, uh, make sure that you go to our YouTube channel, the Shot Caller Podcast there. You're going to be able to uh, see and watch this episode on there and uh, press that, um, kick that bell button on there and subscribe. 
Um, Till next time, Los Angeles and Arizona. Peace.